0: Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hello, Final Girl.
1: Hello, Final Girl. It's so lovely to see you again. I know, like
0: literally, I mean, we're probably six feet away, not even four feet away from each
1: other. Yeah, it feels good to be that close to you. Yeah. Uh, It feels good to be in person. Right.
0: Just imagine that we're holding hands
1: across this table. We are. We're like (laughs) little stars and hearts are shooting out of our eyeballs. Because we're so happy to be together and we're happy to be back in front of you guys. Oh my gosh, yes.
0: Just um, doing this again. It feels really weird, I gotta say. It feels weird to me too, Yeah. Um, yeah. We're six months since since we last yes. casted.
1: We could just say that we were on sabbatical.
0: Right. Not super long after our previous <laughs> yes.
1: But there there was a baby involved. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. I, I I still blame it on the pandemic. Right. Yeah, pandemic. I've got two kids under 3. I left my job at the end of March and went <laughs> self-employed and you know one year post-divorce and new relationship just stuff yeah you know just stuff lots of things yeah yeah but it's all been it's all been I almost feel guilty to say but it's like it's all good except for the pandemic that's not been good right right yeah and here we still are yes
0: Watching horror movies separately and coming together to talk about them.
1: Absolutely. Although
0: I did text you in the very beginning last night like, this is so
1: great. I remember that. And what we'll get into is I remember watching it myself and thinking, man, I really don't like this movie. <laughs> Which, okay, we should probably set the stage as as we normally do. And in case we might grab some new listeners, we could... Maybe re-ex- re-explain our concept. Oh, yeah. 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 Hello. This is Dear Final Girl. Yeah, this is Dear Final, Go- Final Girl, where <laughs> we take your letters um, about the things that you are curious, concerned, anxious, happy about, and we relate them to the plot of a horror film, which we then watch. And then we have a, I don't know, like a braided discussion. Oh, braided yeah, discussion. Yeah, a braided that's, discussion. That's a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um and so today do we want to talk about the letter first or do we want to talk about the movie i let's read letter
1: and then we that's like what motivated our this made for an easy choice of movie Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. so super excited um to have gotten this letter um dear final girl my name is kurt and i have two passions in life watching horror movies and writing about the things i love Over the last several years, months, two minutes, or however long my brain decides, I wanted to take my writing further than the likes and hearts on Twitter or Facebook and branch out to blog sites and even having the big man, Joe Bob Briggs, read one of my reviews. Uh, He puts in parentheses pipe dream. (laughs) I want to grow as a writer and reviewer. Where do I start? Who do I kidnap? Ladies, I seek your advice. And this is from our dear friend, Kurt, in Illinois. Um... Many of you may know Kurt from Twitter, from Facebook. We will definitely include his handles. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once again, like, you know, just like friends made through social media, mm-hmm. which, in especially in the horror community, has proved really important. Yeah. And, you know, sadly, I've, I've even had friends you know, like pretty dramatically come and go, even in the social media environment. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, and I get tired of different platforms at different times, <laughs> but it's just really cool to have this active online horror community and yeah. really cool to have this letter from Kurt. Yeah
0: so the movie that we chose to answer or at least help us answer kurt's letter is the
1: dark half yes 1993 <laughs> yep stephen king totally and completely forgot that george romero had directed this yeah. <laughs> Just, and not only directed but produced and wrote the screenplay really yeah yeah i noticed that at the in the opening credit scroll which I don't
0: I'm like I'm totally okay with that mostly because in my recollection I don't think that Stephen King is very good at the screenplay thing mostly because as as the guys on last podcast on the left said he doesn't know how to finish something he doesn't know how to end something
1: And you know what's so funny is that they and I I can't remember if this is in the novel it or if they just put this in the movie, but they make it the in in it, Bill Denbro, the writer, they make it a point of calling out that it's like he doesn't know how to do endings, and I'm sure, like I'm sure that was a little bit of a yeah yeah. There's a this is for that, you, Stevie, Uncle Stevie. <laughs> yeah, a little
0: jab in the ribs. Um, there's a reason the Dark Tower series went on for. Nine, ten books. Like he just doesn't. He can't. He can't. And the stand could have been a thousand pages shorter.
1: I will never forget. And this was on. It was on Prairie Home Companion when that was still on. Uh And they did a little. There was a particular skit on there that was kind of like a private eye. Uh-huh. Can't remember. Guy
0: Noir. Guy private Noir. I. Private Eye.
1: <laughs> and he went down into like the catacombs of some library and met Stephen King, like <laughs> living very creepily there. And uh, he, the the guy who was voicing him, was like, you know, I'm Stephen King. Every word I've ever written has been published.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> like the Dickens of our time.
1: Yes, yes. So um, I was excited. So we kind of, I think we established already that you like you like this movie a lot. Yeah. I didn't, but um, love the novel. So that mm-hmm. can be, you know, some parallel discussion.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's, let's set up the movie. This, yep. The movie is that there's this guy... Thaddeus Beaumont, who um, is a writer. He's also a college professor uh, of writing. And he used to get migraines as a kid. (laughs) This was so terrifying. Um, He used to get migraines as a kid, but he'd also used to write. And every time that he would write intensely, then he would get this super awful like falling on the ground migraine and so finally they gave him a or they did a surgery on his head <laughs> on his brain and you're like Ugh. there's one nurse in there that's like hoo, hoo. you know she's, yeah she's gagging and the other <laughs> nurse is like contain yourself Pull remember yourself where you together, are together sharon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Sharon, the nurse, whatever her name is, uh, was totally reasonable because then there's an eyeball inside of his brain and the eye, like, opens up and looks at him. Yes. Um, Which the surgeon is like oh it's nothing it happens all the time not normally here but it happens all the not
1: time not in Bangor not in Bangor Main yeah
0: <laughs> I don't want to go down that road <laughs>
1: um so and why does he have those things in his brain camera oh right because he ate his twin yes he absorbed his twin uh-huh. um I specifically remember reading this part in the novel now i read the novel like in in 91 or 92 Uh and they actually they made the. i don't know when it was written i remember reading it then i think it was relatively new um and I, i don't think they made the film like much long after the novel published but i specifically remember reading the passage about the fact that not only in young fad's brain was an eyeball and just kind of other you know human matter but teeth a tooth with a cavity in it a tooth with a cavity in it it was written in eighty nine it was written in eighty nine okay so it took four years to get it to get it to the screen.
0: Okay so what excited me about this so much (laughs) two things. My son was twins I had, like, when I went to my six-week ultrasound, there was another embryo in there, and Sebastian, it, like, it either was a chemical miscarriage or whatever, but, uh, that, that second embryo never turned into a baby, so my I had completely
1: forgotten this.
0: I, I, we thought we were gonna have twins for, like, over a month, and then it was just like, nope, there's only one baby, and so I'm like, Yes, my son ate his twin. Uh, did you specifically
1: him. think about yes, of the novel? I, yes. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't
0: think about the novel. Okay. But also, did you know that there are cysts that you can get in your body, largely ovarian cysts, that can grow teeth and hair?
1: I think I knew that, but I'm horrified oh. all over again. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I don't want... I don't like going to the dentist, Uh and I don't like getting my hair cut. So the idea that I could develop a cyst that would also need those things, Really bothers me. It bothers me a lot.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> I don't I don't think you'd have to take the cyst. <laughs> oh my god.
1: Oh, that's so, good. so one of the in one of the you know, part of the the major premise of the film, so Thad is a writer, he writes under his own name not as successfully right. as a pseudonym that he writes under, George Stark. Mm-hmm. George Stark, who is quote unquote, "not a real person right, um, is a very successful writer, mm-hmm. um, but writes really like violent, hard-boiled crime, you know, mm-hmm. very different than like the kinds of things that Dad writes. So we learn that because someone discovers, Uh, that Thad has been writing under this pseudonym and that, you know, George Stark is is not a real person. Fred Clausen is the name of the...
0: He's kind of dirty and scratchy. He's kind of weaselly.
1: You know, his leather jacket looks like, I don't know, he may may have been buried alive for a while and then (laughs) crawled out. Which I meant to look this up, but the actor who played... The bribery guy, Fred Clausen, looked a lot like um, the actor who played Vic- Victor Pascal in *Pet Cemetery. like a lot, oh, a lot. Oh, and oh, I meant oh. to look that up, and I I forgot to do it. Um, so that's going to be blackmailed. Well, Robert Joy Robert is, is the Joy. actor's name. Okay, I have to look that Frank up. So, but, you know, Thad, and he discusses it with his wife. So, Thad is played by Timothy Hutton. His wife is played by Amy Madigan. And they decide, like, you know, we're going to take matters into our own hands. We're going to, like, out ourselves. You know, we're going to reveal that, yes, you know, he's been writing under the pseudonym, which I also thought was a great nod to the fact that, you know, Stephen Stephen King had written those novels under Richard Bachman. (laughs) Yep, yep. Yep. And so... But it turns out, you know, okay, here's this connection, right, between this this sibling that Thad had, you know, absorbed as a kid. And then now he's got, like, essentially, like, um, a sibling in George Stark. Right. And uh, it turns out George Stark doesn't want to die. <laughs> That's the thing. Right.
0: And so George is also, like... He is the evil twin, right? Not only does he write the evil books, and he has the, um, you know, the evil guy leather jacket, slicked back hair, high
1: tone son of a bitch.
0: Is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is what's on the back of his like Chevy Chero or oh, something? Torino. I think it's a yeah, Torino. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but he also, um, you know, he's. The bad guy. He drinks whiskey and he's uh, mean. And Liz, the wife, says George is an alcoholic. He smokes cigarettes. He says really mean things. And, or, I'm sorry, Liz says you drink when George is around. You smoke cigarettes when George is around. We think because she says she means when you're writing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and he says, it's all me. It's not George. It's all me. Um, so, Thad is trying to hold on to this idea of, like, integrating these two parts of his personality.
1: Yes, beautiful. Because he he says that more than one time, he emphasizes, like, we have both good and bad mm -hmm. in us, and makes the case that we, or that we just have these different dimensions of ourselves, and we need to acknowledge them. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean,
0: that is a really, um... I think, a beautiful thing. That's what in the metaphysical TikTok that I watch all the time. Is
1: there such a thing? <laughs> like shadow
0: work and, oh, listen, witch talk mm-hmm. is a thing. Oh. Um, but they talk a lot about shadow work, which is like you have to look at the your evil twin, right? You have to look at the goateed, slick back hair part of yourself to be able to fully become a person and like forgive the 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 part of you that you think is bad or um whatever um what i also think is really interesting is that they they have this cottage and and as the cottage Oh, the Cottage is in Castle Rock, of course.
1: Yes, that's right. I, rem- I remember going, oh yeah, Castle Rock. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so the Cottage is... He and his wife and the their twin babies live in Banger. And then... And he also spends some time in New York with his agents. So those are the three places that this movie takes place. Yep. Banger, um, Castle Rock, and New York City. Yep. And it's almost like banger is his place new york city is george's place and castle rock is where they're together because mm, they go yeah. into that uh when thad goes into like a room it's so cool a hidden door library it's it's a dream
1: i love that <laughs> whenever she would slide that wall back and it was a bookcase on the other side i went, like, oh man yeah. my boyfriend and i were watching it together i was like that's so cool mm. <laughs>
0: little side note okay so all the libraries in this i loved all of and maybe it's just because it's coming back into vogue right now i loved everybody's outfits i loved the rugs that are in their house and banger i even liked the like cheesy late 80s early 90s uh rich people shit in new york city like the the teal walls the teal and <laughs> the, the black. douchey apartment you know yeah, exactly. douchey
1: like the one guy i'm sorry i'm not gonna try to i don't mean to equate douchey with this one particular decor <laughs> but it was like that very much like the the pub the publish either agent or publisher mm-hmm. than the, the male and it was like that he had um like like a asian uh-huh, asian uh-huh. front, like the like black lacquer uh-huh. and all that and it was like oh yeah i remember that
0: right. <laughs> it's like uh the neighbors in um oh,
1: christmas vacation i knew you were gonna, i was sitting here trying to find it absolutely yes absolutely okay
0: um so yeah he says well this is where george comes into being he's Oh, we forgot. The reason that we find out about the cottage is because they go up there to take the pictures of, like... You know, George is dead. I am George.
1: Yeah, they are symbol. They've got a feature in People Magazine. They are they are symbolically Mm -hmm. putting George Stark to rest. There's like this kind of even even Thad and Liz are like you know this is like cheesy, super cheesy. But it's kind of it's like a little feature story, Mm -hmm. you know. So George is officially put to rest, right? Not. (laughs) But they like the creepy
0: part about it is that the photographer chooses a grave plot that is supposed to be uh thad's like it's thad's grave plot beside his parents and he brings a like sample like a fake headstone that says george stark what does it say he oh not a very nice guy
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the best. It's just so weak. <laughs> Shouldn't head, us should, uh, headphones? Shouldn't I think our headstones. I mean, if we're not going to be authentic right. at the very end. You know, I mean, mine would be kind of like, you know, here lies Lori. Laura, quote marks, Lori Bearman. <laughs> she was kind of a flake. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Uh, mine would probably
0: be, uh, yeah, uh, mine would probably be, here lies Tamra, uh, control issues, got her in the end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to die. <laughs> she fought it. Right. So, okay, or, so...
0: No, or, or scheduled it in right on time.
1: <laughs> she slacked her death ahead of time. <laughs> she scheduled it in Asana or whatever yeah. project management tool you use. <laughs> Ooh. I know it's kind of so, Plug yes, for
0: Asana, we are not getting paid by Asana, no, but, but if Asana you know, we wants could be. to, we could be, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so, t- so continue on as to the creepy photographer. Uh, I think that's where you were going. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like there's this photographer in Castle Rock, and he's he's a rather interesting fellow. Yeah, he set up the tombstone. He made
0: um Thad and Liz like shake hands over this tombstone is uh, yeah. It's it's super weird, but not long after the photographer gets killed. He gets beaten to death with his with his own. They say wooden leg, but it's just a yeah, prosthetic I'm like, well, I'm leg. like, how
1: could that be wooden? No, like that? <laughs> it's like, it was. I, I know it's 1993, but surely there were the, some plastics involved.
0: <laughs> right. This is this is like that Stephen King and like goofy horror stuff. That like, I bet you in the book Stephen King goes way too deeply into how uh, he was, how beaten and bloodied George made the photographer. Um, But. uh, He's beaten with his own leg. um, And a post office attendant sees and calls the sheriff, but the sheriff is like, who is Michael Rooker?
1: love most michael recently rooker of
0: the walking dead well maybe not most recently i don't know well
1: and and a lot of a lot of horror fans out there will know him well as henry portrait of a serial killer oh okay. extremely gritty like Ooh. not a not a um oh god what is his name no not a gorgeous mark Harmon playing <laughs> ted bundy in the 80s oh, in yeah. a made for tv movie uh-huh. Kind of serial killer portrayal, just like the horrible. Why wasn't gritty... he
0: before? Because just looking at him, you know he's a serial yeah,
1: killer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. So yeah. So now I, I kind of want to like just take a pause, and you know we've t- we talked a little bit about how like there's this um, importance of of ownership. You know mm-hmm, these different mm-hmm. sides of ourselves. And we've talked about sort of like owning owning the bad stuff, owning the shadow, or what we what we will call or label the bad stuff, right? right. And owning the shadow side, which you know that's the stuff that comes from our childhood and that we mm-hmm. we we build, you know, we build palaces in our subconscious <laughs> about yeah. you know, but also because of the nature of, of Kurt's letter you know I, th- I think one of the things that'll be important for us to talk about is also owning quote unquote the good stuff owning the right. un unre- unrealized or unfully realized parts of ourselves that we feel connected to mm-hmm. but we have difficulty bringing into being right cuz it fucking takes work yes fucking takes work and we'll we'll talk more about that but
0: right. well and even Dad talks about it in his writing class, in the writing class that he's teaching, like the one thing that he does as a teacher in this whole movie, like is he's telling the class that basically like kill your inner editor. Like you just have to be willing to be all parts of yourself genuinely in order to survive as a writer. Otherwise, you're editing yourself, you're bringing it, um, you'll stop yourself before you even get anything out there. And I was like, yeah, all right, shut up, Thad. Like, yeah. <laughs> Damn you s- for being stop so attacking
1: smart. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt very offended. What is that? That was like a great RuPaul-like, or no, I felt very attacked right now. Yes. That was, I don't know, Laganja, Estranja, season, whatever. I don't know. There's great memes about there. I'm going to write that down so we can include it in the tweets. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I really did kind of feel attacked. Like, okay, shut up. You know, I know that I have this novel and all this other things, but I'm, Watching a movie in order to create, okay? <laughs> creating something <laughs> Cut me beautiful some snack. here, right? Um, so Sheriff shows up.
1: Alan Pangborn, great, yeah. great Stephen King name as always. Alan Pangborn, <laughs> Pangborn. Yeah. Um. Ooh. See, you're always so good about like the symbolic, like Pangborn, mm-hmm. like.
0: Born of pain.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like birth pangs. and Oh, my God. That's like the best. That's an even better name. Mm-hmm, no. mm-hmm. And it, it just sounds like. It sounds very main. Yes. Um,
0: he shows up and sees the, the brutal murder of the photographer. And then they go and they actually track the. Um, they track something back to the grave. Right, I, and I can't remember. Is it the leg that's in the grave?
1: I can't remember. I can't remember. But there's also his fingerprints, of course, which are probably right. right. To, yeah. So they track the
0: leg back to the grave. The grave digger's there, and he's like, "This. We were just here yesterday. Somebody dug this, and I. It looks like somebody dug themselves out of it. And there's handprints that look like." they're pushing themselves up out of the grave
1: yes that's right and the
0: sheriff's like whatever he's digging he's gonna be in it when he's digging it he's got to pull himself up somehow
1: yeah just thinking it's just like whoever dug the hole like it's like there's right. a, there's an explanation for all of this right
0: then they find the car way way off and uh they find the car way way off it's covered in blood. Alan basically says we have to talk to Thad. And at that point, I put in my notes because just remember, don't ever talk to the cops. Just, it makes me so mad whenever people are in movies and they incriminate themselves. Get a lawyer. Don't ever talk to the cops. Okay. I mean, thank <laughs> that's you for our coming PSA. to my TED Talk. <laughs> that's our PSA.
1: We are not qualified le- legal no, experts or yeah. paralegals. Exactly.
0: Or- I don't have, I can't.
1: I'm a qualified legal expert. Go talk to a lawyer.
0: Um, Fads, prints, match. uh, But we know now, of course, that fingerprints aren't 100% exact.
1: And also the question is, don't even twins... How different are twin fingerprints? That's a really good question. Especially if they're identical. There's got to be some Mm -hmm. tiny difference there's got to be right but how, how how much or how little
0: and also when you're well fingerprints also depend on like what do you do for a living do you are if you're a chef you're going to like have more you know you can have burns on your fingers or if you're a mechanic and you uh rub your fingers raw on whatever you're doing and then
1: or if you're like a writer with little delicate hands because you've never worked a day in your life, you know, we can't yeah, exactly. forget that. Um, funny side side <laughs> note,
0: when I was starting my first teaching job, you have to get fingerprinted to be a teacher in Tennessee, mm. thank goodness, that's good, um, just to see if you have any criminal record. That
1: is good, I never thought about it, but yeah. And we were in uh,
0: orientation, like meetings, whatever, and a woman that was starting at the same time as me and was in all of my orientation meetings and she was going to be starting at the same school that I was, she got called out of one of those meetings and she looked visibly upset when she came back in. She, like, took a phone call and then looked visibly upset when she came back in. I was like, hey, what's going on? Apparently, her fingerprints matched with somebody else's who had a prostitution charge in like knoxville and or maybe she just went to college in knoxville and they were from somewhere else anyways but she eventually got cleared obviously they but like
1: oh my god right
0: fingerprints are not 100 percent certain which like made me so mad
1: all of the legal shit in this i love it we always zoom in on different things (laughs) most of the time i was like i don't really like this movie but (laughs) Well, it's bad police work. Sorry, Alan. I agree. Um, Okay, so Alan
0: goes and talks to Thad. He'd gone to New York City. They have no proof that he had been there. He didn't even, like, get a receipt
1: or anything? Oh, well, he says something lame like, surely the airline or the hotel would have a record of me. I'm like... Were things that different in 1993? Or was this just one of those squishy narrative things that they don't? But in 1993, you didn't have to pay
0: for a hotel room with a credit card. You could come in and pay cash. And it, at the, remember, it was the chunk, chunk. Yeah. the good Credit old fashioned machine. physical
1: yeah, yeah, literally a carbon copy of your receipt. <laughs>
0: yeah. So who know I mean, maybe some places were it, it was New York City, but um there's what's really great though, is that even though the Thad has no way of proving his innocence and Alan Could be taking him in. There's something that Alan trusts about Thad. I don't know why. Maybe it's... I don't know.
1: Just maybe that, like, just cop's instinct. And he has known him Mm -hmm. from when they, you know, go to Castle Rock to the cabin. Maybe just like a cop's gut. Like, I just, you, you know... Doesn't he even say something like there's... Basically, like, there's just nothing about you that would make me believe this but I'm a sheriff I gotta do my job Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah
0: um and then we finally meet George
1: they did I thought such a good job with his makeup because Timothy Hutton plays both roles he plays Mm -hmm. Thad Beaumont and George Stark and they really made him look different, and they made him look like a different person right. without him looking made up. Mm-hmm. Now, there were some angles that were like not as friendly as others, right. but i it I was I, that was that was one of my favorite mm-hmm. parts. you know, I was really impressed by that. Mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. physical transformation. Because, and down, doesn't he, you he know? just gets a swagger. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. the two
0: inch uh, boost he gets from the shit those... kicking
1: boots, you know, steel <laughs> toe shit kickers. Yeah.
0: At what point did you realize that he was in a dream when he's. So we see the license, the Mississippi license plates, high toned son of a bitch, and he goes into the house. At what point do you realize that it's a dream?
1: The whole thing. Okay. No, 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 no. Like that the whole thing is a dream?
0: No, no, no. That the, that him seeing the car going into the house, he knows he's going to meet George. Um, Oh, maybe, I don't know. There's, yeah, where all rail services terminate.
1: Innsville. Yeah.
0: and maybe it's just george talking to him there's like the turkey that melts and the the furnace that explodes and the vase explodes i guess we don't meet george yet and then liz is a doll that breaks over her skull that was super weird
1: yeah that was very strange because i was like all of a sudden it was like why does she have like asian symbols painted on her face like yeah you know know, yeah yeah. (laughs) um I don't know if I had that moment of... I don't know if I had that moment. Maybe I did more clearly when I yeah. was watching it. We, I just watched it. We both watched right. it last, last night. night. Um, You know, and I don't know, like... As, as a way of, of summarizing plot, we can say, basically, George keeps going after people who are close to Thad. Yes, and getting um, closer and closer. And getting closer and closer. And it does get to the point where... Um, in a way, it's like Thad is more of a suspect, but he's less. But he's he's less of one because then there is a clear accounting of where he is, and also George starts leaving like voicemail messages. Right. Which, you know, again, it's like, oh, that was you doing that or you're working with somebody. Mm -hmm. But yeah. You say
0: voicemail. No, it was an actual answering machine. They have answering machines with tapes.
1: I didn't even think. I was like, yeah, well, that's voicemail. But it's like, oh, no, but we didn't call it that back then. There was a click and a beep and a button you had Uh to push. And it was Uh a separate apparatus. And yeah, Um, answering machines. (laughs) Okay.
0: So th- this is, so they find Clausen's body. This was kind of the gruesome part. Clausen, Fred Clausen, the the blackmailer, potential blackmailer. They find his body in New York City, and of course that has a reason to kill this guy because he was potentially trying to blackmail him, um, and he. Had his tongue pulled out, his dick cut off, and it was shoved back in his mouth. Yes, and that is like, excuse me, what? Repeat that again. And by the way, with the, from the shadow on the wall, he had a big dick.
1: He did. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I would so awesome. think like, wouldn't it be kind of small? Because, yeah. like, okay, if like, here's a question: <laughs> if you have, if you have a boner. At the time that you're castrated, oh. is it possible to maintain? Because yeah. wouldn't it just kind of deflate? I mean, wouldn't it be just like a, a balloon hanging, uh, like an airless balloon hanging?
0: As the blood comes out. Yeah.
1: but then if rigor mortis was setting in, then you would have constant erection even in death.
0: Right. Right. I don't know if if it would keep the blood pressure up <laughs> to be able.
1: Was Any- it? Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about talking about this, but... <laughs> no. Um, but that was exactly how Thad had threatened... Yes. ...Claussen, when Claussen went to blackmail him. Right. And Thad
0: admits that to Alan, which I think is part of why Alan is like, okay, this guy didn't... He's either way too smart for me or way too dumb to mm-hmm. be both of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... He says, yeah. uh, "What does the sparrow? What do the sparrows mean? Do you know anything about sparrows?" And Dad's like, "Nope, don't know anything." Um, but at the same time, what does he write? The sparrows are the sparrows back. are
1: flying again. Yeah, yeah.
0: and then. Um, Liz starts seeing sparrows.
1: And this all goes back to whenever Thad was a child and before they discovered his brain tumor. Like what one of the sort of auditory we think it's a hallucination but it turns out it's not right. or um he would he he would hear just like all of these sparrows just mm-hmm. like gathering and, and, and calling and doing their thing. And the day that Thad had his surgery as a child, in which right. they discovered that he had absorbed his not-yet-dead twin, mm-hmm. um, there was just like this massive sparrow attack mm-hmm. at the hospital. And, I mean, he, you know, you can't not think of the birds. Right. <clears throat> you can't right. not think of that. And Have you seen the birds? mm I haven't either. Oh. I have never seen that movie. And I, I.
0: Somebody write us a letter that we can do to the birds. <laughs> yeah,
1: somebody write, you know, like you could be an ornithologist. Ooh. You could be afraid of birds mm-hmm. and you want to talk about your phobia. Um, you could get into like, just like maybe you paint birds. Anyway, there's <laughs> lots of opportunities there for all kinds of people. Uh, there's a lot of
0: birds in this room.
1: But it, there are. I like it. I like it. A lot of, a lot lot. of Tamara has a lot of cool bird art, like right where we're sitting. Is that, what is that bird? That's not a sparrow. That looks more like a crow. No, there's a and raven owls. and raven. a couple of
0: owls. Some puffins on the floor there. Oh, my god! Haven't hung those That's yet. So I don't know cool. where to put them. Sorry.
1: Um, <laughs> it, but it makes me want to... I, I need to watch the birds. And then is there... Because it was so evocative mm-hmm. of that movie. Like, how could you not think of that movie? Right. What's in that movie? What's in the narrative and the plot? uh and if you guys like you know once we start posting on social media if you've got ideas about this yeah definitely send them our way um but definitely want to watch the birds now but yeah so so the 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 appearance of the birds was like you know it 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 mirrored the it, it, it was a companion to like the onset of these migraines right and then now when george is like manifesting himself then this, then all of these birds are back. You mm-hmm. know, they're kind of like part of the harbinger of the right. situation, right?
0: And specifically sparrows. And we get a little bit later. Oh, sparrows are the messenger. Oh, Richie. God, I fucking love Richie. Reggie. I want, Reggie. Yes, Reggie. I love Reggie. I want Reggie. to be her. I want to be she her comes too. Out with that long ass red cape, smoking a pipe with a beret on. I was like, oh, it wasn't a cape. It was a scarf.
1: I love her, and she just says the most authentic things, like, hey, she's just so, she says things to Thad that only really close friends Mm -hmm. say to each other, you know? But so Reggie is a fellow professor at the university where Thad teaches. She
0: specifically says, I'm happy to see see they haven't incarcerated you yet. (laughs) I
1: love that. (laughs) Absolutely love that. But she,
0: yeah, she tells Thad's like, figure out what sparrows mean. What What is sparrows? And then she eventually tells him um, later on that sparrows take the soul from the living to the dead um that's the only thing that she knows um i should have looked where i wrote it down oh
1: and he calls her he's like always he calls her like a witch more than once like she's (laughs) because i guess she's a folklorist you know Mm -hmm. and you know knows about these things i just love her so much and the whole time i it took me probably like two-thirds of the film to realize that was julie harris that's the actress, because mm-hmm. I kept looking at her and going, like, I know that's not Barbara Bel Geddes who played Miss Ellie in Dallas. Like, I know that, <laughs> but they kind of, that you know, they look similar. And the whole, t- I'm just thinking, who? I know who that is. Who what is else that? Is she in? She, most, maybe most famously, um, the haunting, mm. fantastic, like haunted house film, but sort of like the intertwining of what is the source of the haunting? Mm-hmm. Is it the house or is it people and sort of all of the things that they bring?
0: She was in East of Eden too. She was in a lot of James Dean. movies. Yeah, she, yeah. Know, she was a, she's
1: been around for a long time. I'm sure she's passed now, but...
0: She's a... Yeah, 2013 is when she passed. Um, she was a looker back in the day. Yeah. Um
1: so George is getting close. Do you want to pick like where he's getting close? Yeah,
0: so he starts taking people out, all the people that are gonna be helpful, takes out the agent and the publisher, he takes out um, the doctor who originally treated Thad while Thad is there in the room. And uh they start tapping their phones put liz under protective custody which is great not protective custody but like you know have a
1: surveillance yeah yeah
0: yeah they have cops out front um and in the house um oh kills the reporter too that was a scary one took all the light bulbs, the reporter that wrote the article. Yes, the one who
1: was so obviously from New York because Uh, he had a ponytail and had, like, a cowboy hat or whatever. Yeah.
0: Like, that was part of it, too. George cut off the ponytail. Oh, we didn't even talk about the weapon. George has a big old gun that he carries in the um, front of his pants. But... His favorite weapon is an old straight razor. Yes. Or maybe a new straight razor. I don't know. Um, But he just loves to, like, slice people open. But as George kills more people and gets further and further away from Thad... Or maybe closer to that. And his
1: dad is kind of getting stronger in his own way. Yeah,
0: yeah. And being like, no, you're not going to mess with my family, blah, blah, blah. George starts breaking down. So the color leaves his eyes. He gets more wrinkly. He he starts getting bloodshot right around the irises of his eyes. He's got cuts on his his face. It
1: cuts and they keep getting worse and the skin just looks infected and deteriorating and gross and the teeth get nastier and nastier Mm -hmm. now we can't you know this may this may come later but we can't forget the the writer of of the feature on thad and liz where they say yep you know i was george stark and now george stark's dead so that writer lived in you know like an apartment building or something yeah yeah yeah. so you know george is is uh menacing this guy all the way to his apartment basically and a neighbor pokes her his i can't remember his his head out the door you know you know it's like hey what's going on it's like what's what's happening out here what's going on and george stark is like murder want some (laughs) and he shuts and locks the door so (laughs) new york so new york no thanks i specifically remember Reading that line in the novel. Because even though I did not love the movie, I really enjoyed reading the novel because this guy that I was dating at the time, we actually read it together. We read it aloud. <laughs> uh, I, dude, that's
0: sexy. It
1: is. I was kind of thinking of like the lovers on Saturday Night Live, you know. <laughs> back in the day, like, my lover and I like to read to one another. Like, But it was the coolest experience. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And to... You're reading along. You don't know what's going to happen. Which, right. And you're reading aloud.
0: So it's And slow. then it
1: comes upon you, and you're reading it aloud at the same time, and it's a pretty amazing yeah. experience. I could see how that,
0: like, as your heart rate starts going up, you can start emoting a little bit, um, a little bit more and more. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I thought that that scene... Oh, were you finished with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that that scene was really beautifully done, that there was a blue and red light outside of the skylight. Yeah. So it almost looked like uh, police sirens. It was
1: very surreal. It was a very right. surreal s- scene in particular.
0: And then George is able to get away and, um, by like hiding behind a plant and the bumbling New York cops run out and he just (laughs) like slips into the elevator and says see you later as it as the elevator closes um same thing with Rick who is the um the agent yes two cops bring him home they just kind of go in look left and right in
1: his apartment and then and then walk out
0: yeah so part of this the part of george being so successful is that the cops are so unsuccessful except for alan alan's great yeah all other cops are bad yeah um (laughs) in this movie specifically don't come for me um (laughs) um, i loved the window washer bit oh that was
1: great yeah um
0: and also, as George kills Rick, he says, "It's a cutthroat business, <laughs> Meaning, like book publishing." So great, and then goes out as the window washer, that is which awesome. is also like the slowest disappearance. Of, it's just like,
1: uh, he's not really making a getaway because he doesn't have to, but.
0: Um, they also mentioned a calling card, which I was like, all right, answering machines, pay phones, calling cards. All the things. Yeah. All the things we'd... I-
1: Wooden legs. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, come on. They still use that.
0: <laughs> um, when he's talking with Alan about the calling card, um, that the, there were threatening phone calls made with... Um, made with thad's calling card george calls their own home thad says i dare you to come and with the phone tapped and everything alan's like no it that call was made with your calling card you answered and you picked up but it was made with your calling card and that's when i started to freak out again about why don't you get a goddamn lawyer (laughs) (laughs) um Thad of course, managed to threaten Alan, which I think is where we start to see a little bit of the actual integration because Thad has to this point. He does.
1: That's, I remember that. Yeah. To this point, he's been such a nice guy. Yeah.
0: And then when he starts to get fed up with Alan and like, you're not doing anything. I was obviously here. Whoa. It was with your calling card. How, you know, somebody could take your calling card. Um, that's when Thad starts to at least kind of like starts that exterior is sort of fraying a little bit. Yeah. Which made me kind of happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then should we, should we drive toward the, the climax plot wise? Yes. yes. Chase. uh, Thad
0: in a disguise. George has said, Time to start a new book. Go home and sharpen your pencils. And Thad decides he's going to go. You know, start writing this new book. Liz stays in Banger. He's going to go up to Castle Rock. They're still kind. Of, he's still like not, or kind of running from the cops. I guess at this point,
1: probably still a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, he's not supposed to be going anywhere. Gosh.
1: Yeah, they go, they go back So there's, there's this confrontation and it's basically like which, which one of them is going to survive. Right. Right. And Thad is getting increasingly confident that, you know, that, that he's the one who's in control. Um, So he goes in with a lot of confidence into this, you know, he and George meet, Um, his wife, uh, Thad's wife, Liz, ends up like, cause the did the cop one of the cops get killed and then at their banger home and then she hightails it mm-hmm. to castle rock mm-hmm. and so it's basically you know this confrontation of thad and george in the room where thad writes as george with that you know the cup full of black be- sharpened black beauty pencils <laughs> because george stark writes in longhand with a pencil that's right, how he right. writes his novels oh gosh <laughs> um
0: yeah George is already there with the babies and Liz and he looks awful so basically George takes the babies and Liz to Castle Rock the there's also another reference to that place where all rail service terminates which is also an echo of the dark tower like I could go in there's you know the first piece of writing that he does and his mom comes and looks at it. It's called Here There Be Tigers. That's yes. a Stephen King short story. Oh. Um, it's like about a little kid hanging out underneath the kitchen table during a, a party. Do I have something on my No, no. Oh, okay. Um, during a, a party. And um, he says that there's a tiger under there. And everybody is like, no, there's no tiger.
1: Oh, my God. You know what this reminds me of? There's an Ambrose beer store. Oh, maybe that's
0: it. Maybe that's it.
1: Where, like, this kid is, like, always looking at this carpet, and it's seeming like things are coming to life. Oh. And then I can't, because the way they spell tiger is T-Y-G-E-R. I can't help but think of, like, the William Blake poem, which is, like, tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night, and it's something like, mm-hmm. what fearful... What fearful eye or hand hath wrought the or what eye or hand hath wrought thy fearful mm, symmetry. symmetry? And mm-hmm. it's like, did he who made the lion make the? Anyway, I'm on. A, I'm on. Here my... There be
0: tigers. Okay, there's two. One by Ray Bradbury and one by Stephen King. The Stephen King short story is in 1968, which is the same year that uh was that was supposed to happen like oh. they say 1968 and he's got the black beauty pencils with the migraines all day 23 years later in 1981 he's a grown adult okay sorry um we were going to like try to
1: race to the race end to the end <laughs> I was gonna say railroad
0: to the end but this is where all rail service terminates yes nice think.
1: okay um
0: Blaine in the dark tower series you know what I'm talking about, not not you, but listeners. Okay, <laughs> sorry.
1: Um. So they're in this room, and it's basically like a showdown of who's going to survive. And it's like, oh, and the babies the, are in there too. And the, each one has a baby. Mm-hmm. Like there's a point at which George has one of the one of the Thad's twins, and then Thad has the other. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids are, like, remarkably chill through this whole thing, I might add. Except the one time where the mother's like, shut up! <laughs> you know, when they're in the crib crying. Right. Um, but, you know, this is a good relation back. And we, I can, I can hold it, because I, I know you've got some stuff. No, 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 go for but it. But a relation back to Kurt's letter, because... Mm-hmm. That is challenging George. Like, okay, well, you do it. You do the the writing. Mm -hmm. And George is, he is terrified by the blank page, Mm -hmm. as so many of we writers are, Mm -hmm. um, or can be at times. Um, I'm scared, Hoss. I'm scared. I loved that. It was. I mean, I might. It was the a ne- little
0: bit of vulnerability, which is like, okay, here we go with the integration again.
1: Yeah, I might. You know what? And the next time I have to start something from scratch, I might just say to myself, "I'm scared, Hoss," and do it anyway. Right. And exactly. do it anyway. And well, and yeah. that's what
0: he says. The only way to do it is do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And now it's. It's, it's coming, Thad. It's easy and good,
1: and then because he really starts writing, George is like he gets really is rocking it with those black bitty pencils. Um, But Thad,
0: okay, as George is rocking it with the pencils, he's starting to heal. Yes, and Thad is starting to decay, Mm -hmm. and he's got grossness on his face, whatever. So they're now it. The the understanding that we get as the viewers is that if George lives, Thad dies. And if Thad lives, George
1: dies. Yes.
0: But that is such a dramatic thing. Like, the reality is... The
1: either or versus both and. Right. Exactly. Because
0: you can just do the thing. And... It can, you can be all the things at once, right? Yes. You can be a friend and a lover. You can be a you know you can, you can be, be the a friend jock and the nerd and an asshole, <laughs> right, you know
1: exactly. You can write and you can be scared a majority of the time. Mm-hmm. You won't. You Know always feel that way. I know right. we'll probably wrap with a lot with a lot more tie back to Kurt letter, but if you want to, if we want to, if we want to continue through the end of the narrative,
0: so then they start fighting. Really, there's babies in the room, there's a razor blade. I, I there's a kind gun, blackout. Yeah, there's I a gun. I I'm like, um, God, don't
1: get the razor blade. Hey. I <laughs>
0: um
1: i'm looking my, i'm looking at Tamara's notebook like
0: gun stabbed with pencil ded head healed uh, baby's okay sparrows on their way babies liz calling shit george throw that into wall sparrows coming okay but what happens is that the sparrows Ooh. start breaking into the house
1: there are thousands of them they are literally peck through the walls of the house right which is
0: like I thought that the sparrows were going to be. I don't know what I th- thought that they were going to do symbolically, but I didn't expect them to turn on George. But the understanding is that they peck George apart and they take him off into like this portal. Yeah. Off
1: just from, other world.
0: Yeah, on the sunset.
1: I um, mean, they literally, they literally Peck him to mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty well-done scene, like, in terms of spe- special effects. it's right. very. I think it's very well done. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: very cute. The babies say bye-bye at the end.
1: <laughs> bye-bye. I'm telling those kids are, like, chill. Oh, they're like, a, eh, whatever. It's because there's
0: Nikes in those sweet jean jackets.
1: <laughs> Which, I <laughs> Which actually brings to mind a question I was going to ask you because I'm watching this and I'm like, I, I know this is 1993, and I was sitting there going, what is it about this? What makes this ni- ninety Like, what makes this early 90s? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, answering machines, calling cards.
0: Intense wallpaper.
1: Ooh, intense the wallpaper.
0: Textured walls on some of the houses. Everything
1: mm-hmm. has. To, it's like the. It's like these environments just have way too much in them. Right, right. Of course, they do have kids, so you, I mean, there is a, but now there's just a ton of furniture, and a ton. Of, yeah, everything feels kind of, which is in contrast to. Like the New York apartments, mm-hmm. which are more sleek. But even there, you know, you've got like nice. the, the... Teal
0: walls and yeah. the lacquered furniture and, yeah, like the display of Japanese art. <laughs> Just like... I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful if you had like one piece. If right. you had like
1: 15. I mean, one thing that was very 90s about it was that... I can't... The whole time I kept thinking, why does all of this acting seem so bad? It, but then I thought, okay. Then I started to try to go back and break it down. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not all bad. I think part of it is always the challenge of bringing, like especially some of Stephen King's like really colorful characters to screen. It's like you can believe it on the page, but there's something that just happens when it's translated to the screen that I think makes it more difficult. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, too, because I thought, okay, did I think Timothy Hutton did a poor acting job? No. Mm-hmm. Michael Rooker definitely didn't. You know, you've got, like, the the characters who are, like, air quote characters who right. are very, m- they're kind of more larger than life, so mm-hmm. they're sort of... We see those in movies all the time. Right. I don't I don't was know. Well, here's it then this is what the nineties thing about it. It was like no amount of act great acting in the world can make up for you know, just a female character who's just kind of there in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I try I I felt like she was there was strength, there was certainly strength in her character. Mm -hmm.
0: And she was supportive too. Like she's reading the story in the first little bit where she's like, yes, you're doing it. It's fantastic. Whatever.
1: But maybe it's just the fact that, I mean, just that, that her role is subverted, you know, it's just, just, it's just Mm -hmm. in that it's just only ever going to be right. The only two women,
0: the powerful woman publisher. Oh, that's a good point. Reggie was, Reggie's great. But, okay, so if we really want to get our final girl, there's the powerful woman publisher. She's dead. There's Liz, who's basically nothing more than a supportive wife mom. Right. And she's she's alive, great, but she doesn't get to be actualized. Reggie, it appears, is like the spinster witch character. (laughs) And so, like... Thad gets to integrate all these parts of himself. He gets to be the George and the Thad. He gets to be the bad guy and the writer. The women, it's not a woman's story.
1: Right, right, right. It's much more one-dimensional. Yeah. Um,
0: What if Liz had been George all along?
1: Ooh, that would have been cool. Uh That would have been cool.
0: And then it would have been, you know, my other half, my better
1: half. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I
0: want to write Uh the better half. Yes. (laughs)
1: uh. Yes. So, okay. I've been thinking a number of things. There are a number of themes we have identified that I think relate very much to Kurt's letter.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Integration. Right you know, embracing the shadow, the shadow self, which is where a lot of, like, fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. live. Um, And I said something before that I I totally, I want to completely, like, rewind and and say something totally different about. I said something about writing, and it was like, it's work, you know, it's hard work. I'm going to... I it is It does take effort. Mm-hmm. But I really want to blow apart this notion that we have to suffer and struggle and work harder mm-hmm. to achieve what we want. And I think it doesn't mean we're not going to be uncomfortable. I mean, any time that we are pressing beyond what we normally do um we we there's you know there's a really good chance we might be uncomfortable but my gosh I think if the pandemic has taught us anything a lot of us are really sick and tired of working harder yeah and that being like some kind of badge of honor and that's just that's the formula that's how you have to get it done Mm -hmm. and it does not have to be that way right Um, I think that it really, it, part of it is examining like the paradigms and beliefs that Mm -hmm. we have about ourselves or that we believe the things that we believe we must experience in order to get to that whatever magical
0: place where we want to get. what is the formula that you have to do? Okay. A, A, B, B, left, left, right, right. You know, up, down, up, down. Um, If you do the things, if you hold your mouth in a certain way and you do things at the same time every day, well then that's all automatically going to bring you success. And that in itself is magical thinking that if there's some sort of, um, that there's some sort of code that you can follow, And then automatically you're going to get success. Um, And that's, that's something that's really hard because it would be really nice if that were the case, right? Mm -hmm. It would be really nice.
1: But then I would almost say, even if there was because of our fears, because of our subconscious, it is so easy for us to become separated from the joy Mm -hmm of what we say we want to do even if somebody handed you the formula like I think it's still challenging to not like throw up all the reasons why you know we can't or Mm -hmm. I think and I think you know for Kurt um for you Kurt and for any writer who wants to kind of take it to the next level or anybody who wants to take anything to that next level there there is a there is a planful aspect of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what do you want to write where would you like to have your work published do you want to have it on your own website or sell or self-publish in print or do you want to right for other websites or other people mm-hmm. there there are there is a plan there there is a there is a there are specific steps to take mm-hmm. but i feel like they should just, like the main thing is al- is align them with your joy right that's like number 1 and i know there's that cheesy expression like oh do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life it's freaking true
0: well <laughs> there's there's something to that because I've done some um, some freelance marketing uh, coaching and consulting in the past and people are always like well I know I have to have a blog no you don't have to have a blog you probably should get a website that tells people where you are and what you do but you don't have to have a blog if you don't communicate well in writing. If you communicate well by telling people how to do the thing or by oops, just knocked over my glass. Um if you communicate well by telling people or by um you know then do videos or if you are on social media all the time maybe that's a place where you share the thing but Going based on what, you don't have to do a blog just because everybody does a blog. Right. It works for some people because that's how they feel like they can keep themselves accountable or really what it comes down to is that they enjoy doing that thing. Yes. You're never going to be able to sustain sustain something that you don't make enjoyable. Right. If you want to start running, I think I have to, or you just want to be healthier, right? You don't have to run a marathon if running makes you incredibly unhappy. Maybe you get an exercise bike and go 20 minutes a day on the exercise bike, or you get a trainer who you just show up and they tell you what to do for 45 minutes. But however you do it you have to find something that's sustainable and to be to be successful or at least to um get to maybe a next level which is why a lot of people join writers groups which is why a lot of people start a blog because they could say okay i'm gonna do this once a week
1: And accountability. Yeah, to Mm -hmm. have, if there's someone like Kurt, if there's somebody that you know, and I'm telling you anybody, because Mm -hmm. we're all active on social media together. You need encouragement, we're here. I mean, we are here. Um, It is, there is is absolutely no issue with having accountability partners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the most basic level is have you decided... What it, whatever that it is mm-hmm. have you decided have you decided that you actually want to do it mm-hmm. and i mean that could mean that 51% of you has 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 made that decision because right. and if and if it keeps coming up if it just keeps bubbling up that, that's something you want to do right. it won't go away it's <laughs> it's it's asking you it's begging you <laughs> it's begging you um,
0: There's so many writers who, out there who say that they don't write because they love it. They write because they have to. Because it's it the writing nags you. The creation nags you. Yeah. It's not the other way
1: around. Absolutely. And and that doesn't even mean. I, and and some writers will say you have to write every day. You have to write every day. I don't personally subscribe to that. I don't mm-hmm. write every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I write most days. Now, that is what I do for a living. So right. I've been, at this point, the majority of that, that is, you know, that's, that's my employment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I really like what I do. <laughs> you know, I like what I'm writing. So
0: I think that what is difficult about being a writer as well is that if you... So like, I work as a writer and an editor. And because I work as a writer and editor, then all of that writing that I do automatically gets published. It already has an audience. It automatically goes somewhere. But I still have to plan within my day, week, quarter, how, plan time to decide what I'm going to write Mm -hmm. and how I'm going to promote that and how that all fits in, whether that's just like, who am I going to get to upload this for me? Or how is this fitting into a larger strategy? And what's you can be a writer and I almost said in the closet, in your little office area and your writing never has to go anywhere. If it makes you feel happy to just do it for the heck of it. Great. But if you want it to go somewhere, you also have to make the time to do a little research, figure out where to submit your writing to, or how to grow your newsletter or how to, you know, all of the other promotional things. And that's part of what's really hard about being any sort of like, basically being a writer is being a solopreneur. It's running Mm -hmm. a business if you want to do it as a job you either have to work for a business who will pay you to be a writer or you have to run your own business
1: or i mean it can equally be a a hobby that yeah. you dedicate yourself to maybe initially you don't you know you don't you don't get paid for it you have to decide whether that's something that you want i mean every essay that i have ever written about Every essay or blog I have ever written about anything horror-related, I I have never been paid for. I've never been paid for for any of those things. Um, It's just a matter of how important that is to you. Right. I think, you know, one of the two very important questions to ask yourself from the very beginning is, is am I able to do this mm-hmm. and am I willing am I willing to do it am I able and, and am I willing and if you can answer those two questions yes which I really feel like Kurt has already answered yeah. both of those he is definitely able he has he has a he has reviews that he's written and I'll confirm his link and be sure really? to if he would like um, to to share that yeah. you know in our tweets. Um, and are you are you willing and are you able? And there is, I I'm, I'm feel like I'm getting a lot of my wisdom lately um, from this coaching program that I'm in that's called Thinking Into Results. And there's actually, this is interesting, there's a really great chapter in, in this book that's part of my program. It's a chapter on decision. And one of the first thing it's one of the first things it says is that indecision causes disintegration. Mm. You know, a dream deferred, dreams deferred, um, dry up like a raisin in the Yeah, sun. or they can be they can be very, they can you know they can really chip away at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they can cause disintegration. Hopefully not to the level of uh, Thad and George. Right. But you, you, we feel, we feel separated from those things that we want to do that we don't do. We're all, there's, there's going to be the pain of, of that gap and the fact that we're not, we, we have not integrated through thought um, and behavior and action, those things that we s- say that are important to us, right, right, yeah.
0: And I think in the in the context of the movie too, George isn't necessarily, you know, okay, yes, he's he's the writer of the schlock um, noir novels, but also he's the smoke and drink and good time guy who is going to be a distraction from the like real work and I say work loosely meaning just like sitting down. Just doing the app let's yeah.
1: cut you know what let's call it the application of effort. Right. Yeah. The the decision and application the decision to an application of effort. Right. Um
0: I you just reminded me of this quote that I keep in my planner. Oh I love it. Um in in my bullet journal. Um So I got this through Jamie Attenberg's craft talk newsletter. Um, And she runs the thousand words of summer uh, writing group and where people and actually, Oh shoot. It started today. (gasps) Um, (laughs) I have, I have a a moment like that that I'll share in a minute. Um, So she quoted another writer named Matthew Thomas um, talking about, why he finished his novel and it says not finishing the novel would have dealt my psyche a blow whose imagined pain was worse than the considerable frustrations of facing my limitations every day basically the thought of not finishing is worse than just sitting down and doing it every day and even the hard shit yeah like figuring out the problems and that's some of the fun it, once
1: you get in there and actually um i think this is great advice it's like literally you know <laughs> if i do
0: say so myself <laughs> <it
1: is. laughs> i think an, another uh, great piece of advice i ran across lately is literally just like commit to five minutes mm-hmm. set a timer if you have to how many of us who write or create or do what, you know, do whatever that we do, yeah. once you start, once you get into you it, pop, you, 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 you just keep going. Stop. Yeah. You, you, you. Can't stop. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, it would be extremely rare that you would set that timer for five minutes and not go beyond.
0: It's five minutes more as you said then then you, had... you would
1: have done if you thought like well if i don't do an hour that's not good enough no 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 no, 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 no.
0: yeah yeah um i agree a hundred percent um that's actually writing advice that uh seinfeld has given on the tim ferris podcast oh. um i just listened like he came out with a new book recently and he was talking with tim ferris about writing and um seinfeld famously does the don't break the chain you gotta do it every day you just sit down you do it every day you you come to work every day Um, and he does the same thing with his daughter but it's in a shorter interval you don't start at three hours you start at five minutes Mm -hmm. you start at something that's manageable um you don't start at a thousand words you started at five minutes yeah <laughs> you know, and yeah. if you get 10 good words great congratulations um you did it today <sniffs> high five yourself pat yourself on the back and go get a shot of whiskey yep unless it's 5 a.m <laughs> and then go get yourself some more coffee
1: <laughs> yep yeah i i think because i've got some things that i want to start and it's outside my comfort zone and i'm i'm quite scared honestly um and part of that is why you know i'm, I'm looking for an accountability group mm-hmm. um but i i know and and i feel a little bit awful every day because every day i don't do the thing right and i've actually broken it down to about the smallest part that you could possibly break something down to and i still haven't done it so like you know, I'm come. I mean, there's, certain- I was going to say, I'm comfortable with writing at this point. Yeah, in a lot of ways, but other, you know, other things, no. But I'm, I'm struggling with the same thing. I'm trying to break into some different things. And so it's, you know, I would say to Kurt and anybody out there who wants to, um, who wants to do what you really want to do. Yeah. I mean, we recognize that it's scary, but it's, it it just feels immeasurably more awful to keep denying yourself yeah. this expression. And I think they call it expression for a reason. Like mm-hmm. it's supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And when it when it stays bottled up, it just it does not feel good. Right. And then
0: yeah, I noticed that when I'm writing, I'm actually When I'm writing more, I feel so much better about myself and I drink less. I, you know, my work gets better because I've been feeding this creative side of myself. Um, So anyways, I guess the prescription is just sit down and do it. Write us, write us letters.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Write us letters. Think about like, think about... Just ask yourself those two questions: Am I willing and am I able? Yeah. Set yourself a very specific goal. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm doing right now <clears throat> is I'm I'm chipping away at um, like I'm starting to create some new habits or mm-hmm. try to you know curb or minimize others. And <clears throat> I have a I have a coach. And I literally, for each habit as I'm working on it, I literally write 50 times a day the affirmation associated with that goal. Nice. And I, at the end of the day, I take a picture and I send it to her. And Uh, if I forget, I have to write it 150 times. (laughs) And let me tell you that that, I forgot once and that took up the bulk of my day. Yeah. Uh, it was like the things I absolutely had to do and that, and that my day was pretty much shot. Right. Um, and I will not forget again, <laughs> you know. Um, but it has proven really helpful.
0: You know, I heard something the other day that everything is out there. You just have to move the atoms in the right way to make it materialize. Yeah. And that sounds a little woo-woo, uh, obviously, like a little... Um, Uh, hippy dippy super spiritual and I say that normally just because I'm trying to like soften it for myself (laughs) um because I grew up with parents who were an engineer and a scientist so like you know
1: (laughs) anything in that realm feels a little bit like oh aren't you like a space (laughs) cadet yeah exactly um
0: but All of the possibilities are out there. And part of making affirmations and manifestations is that you are starting to move those atoms into alignment to become the thing that you want.
1: Yeah. And you're even by expressing your desire, Mm -hmm. you know, it may not even be a matter of. A, a, arranging the atoms i mean you are helping them to move but they're flowing in the way that they already want to right. that natural flow of, of energy sort of to and through us and i, I want to give i'm a lot some of the things i'm saying today are totally come straight from this coaching program that i'm in called thinking into results um i want to give a shout out to my coach lauren wybert mm. um <laughs> And it's really, it is, it is really creating a lot of positive change. I'm starting to like believe that I can do some things differently that I've never been able to. And Don't yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Because, because I sit here and drink powerful. Fireball while we record. Whatever. Working on that one. Working yeah. on that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, cool. Well,
0: send us letters, dearfinalgirl at gmail.com send us your origin stories
1: yes because that will be our next episode so mm-hmm. we are actively working on soliciting some origin stories as we speak
0: we're a little bit up in the air on um what our schedule is going to be like going forward uh but
1: we think twice a month yeah Yep.
0: one regular one origin
1: yep okay yeah. So again, <laughs> yes, we're, we're very
0: certain about we're,
1: this. <laughs> we're cranking up the machine again, and yeah. we're not like we're not going from zero to sixty. Yeah. We are like, you know what? Two episodes a month sounds good. Yeah, that's what we that's can do. That's our five minutes. That's what we can do. Or
0: 125 minutes. No, 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 <laughs> hour and 25. Minutes. Hour and 25. Um,
1: thanks, final girl. Thanks, final girl, and all you guys out there, guys, girls, non binaries.
0: Oh gosh, I don't even remember our whole sign off. Stay spooky
1: stay spooky, you know, stay alive, all that good stuff. Oh my gosh, yes, please. Yeah. Um. And do what you love. (laughs) (laughs) Bye! Bye. Hey, final girls, final boys, and final non-binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of horror. But that's all we are. People struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there too. Take care.